When Marilyn Monroe was discovered dead and naked in her Brentwood, California bedroom, the nation was left shocked and saddened. The pressure of fame had been too much, they reasoned, and she just couldn't take it anymore. So, she took her own life. But, could there be more to this story? Is it possible that the legendary actress was actually the victim of murder? Could it be that President John F. Kennedy was directly involved in her demise? Find out on the jury room. You decide. What really happened to Marilyn Monroe? The Jury Room Podcast can be found on most podcasting platforms. Make sure you go subscribe, follow, leave a review anywhere you can. And as always, stay safe and thanks for listening. Happy birthday to following podcast contains mature content. Listener discretion is advised. Hello, and welcome to the jury room, where we dissect some of the most heinous, some of the most unthinkable, some of the most monstrous crimes to ever scar the earth. From cannibalistic serial killers to decades-old unsolved mysteries, These stories are sinister enough to keep you up at night. All right. Well, welcome to the jury room aftermath. Uh, We just got done hearing about Jonestown and Jim Jones and the People's Temple. Um, This is going to be a brand new content for you guys, something that I'm trying out, seeing, you know, where this goes. Uh, But on today's episode or on today's aftermath, I guess I should say, I have uh, Jim Evans, which he is a one part of the film rage podcast, uh, which is a fantastic podcast. I personally listen to it myself. Great content. These guys argue, they fight. Uh, it's amazing. And you got to rage out every time you're listening to them. Jim, thanks for coming on, man. Uh, buddy. Thanks for having me. I'm so excited about this episode. I, uh, I've been such a big fan. If that's a word, of Jonestown, even from a, as a as a kid, uh, so I could not be happier to talk about this. And your episode, by the way, was fucking epic. It's is so good. Whoever's hearing us talk now, and you haven't heard heard this, if you fast forwarded just to see us talk, you got to listen to it. It's so good, so so good. And I appreciate that kind feedback. And if you would just you know plug your podcast, where can they find you? You know, give them a little synopsis of what you guys do and, you know, we'll go from there. Yeah, for sure. So we are a threesome 
and you can take that any way you want. Uh, normally, we're a threesome, but right now we're just a duo. Uh, Marie's on sabbatical, as we like to say. Uh, so Bryce and myself, uh, we have a podcast that is really focused on bringing brand new content of film and not made for TV movies, but film to our listeners. We try to break down as much as we can. We try to cram as much content for new film that comes out. And it's not like traditional film that you might think. We don't stick to necessarily just mainstream cinema. So we're trying to find those nuggets of films that people may not have heard of and go, wow, these guys love this film. I've got to check this out. But then, we're, you know, we didn't get the name Film Rage for no reason. So, you know, we always say directors and actors beware because you cannot hide from the rage. So <clears throat> if you're making a shitty movie, we're going to tell how bad it is. And that, you know what? That's part of the fun is just getting in a spin of rage mm -hmm. that you just cannot escape. So, yeah, we just like to have fun, watch a shit ton of movies and yeah, just hope that people see our vision and go, yeah, okay, I agree with Jim on this. And and if it makes you angry that I say stuff, that's good. That's what we're trying to do. We want to build an emotion, either joy or rage. Hopefully rage. Right on. And where can they find you at? You can find us everywhere. Just type Film Rage Podcast in the interweb and you'll find us. But on uh, social media, we're Film Rage YYC. And you can find us on our website, which is amazing, by the way. Check it out. There's lots of good stuff on there, filmrageyyc.com. And, uh, yeah, check it out. We, got, we, we have all of our movies that we've reviewed on the podcast on there, so you can go see what we rated it and click on a link to go listen to it. Well, right on. Well, <clears throat> one thing I, you know, as you're in your intro I was listening to, uh, you said you were had always – and I understand it's, you know, it's a sick word to use, right? But a fascination, right, of, you know, that cult-like mentality in Jonestown. What, you know, what can you tell me, you know, as a kid and growing up, what do you remember of Jonestown, of them being in the media, of, you know, anything like that? Yeah, so <clears throat> I'm uh, old as fuck, right? So, <laughs> um, and people don't know how old I am. <laughs> they think I'm, look, I look so young, but I'm not. I'm super old. It's like I'm maybe a vampire of types, but I don't know what I'm drinking to get me to look this good. Maybe it's the snow in Canada. Maybe it's the snow in Canada. It's like, I wake up every morning, you know, <laughs> put it on my eyes. <clears throat> but um, see, I was... I was alive when this was happening. So as it was happening and unfolding it, I was watching it on the news with my parents every night. And so, you know, when it, when it started to roll out and you were just like, it was like something you, you could not imagine. Like to this day, nothing has ever happened like Jonestown that, you know, I mean, there's been, there's been dictators that have killed people like we see in Syria right now. And we've seen, you know, Rwanda and what's happened there. But this is like a cult where they just all, I mean, it's, there's a reason why people talk about Kool-Aid, like, and it's built into our culture now, right? Like Kool-Aid does, isn't just, oh yeah. It's also like, <laughs> oh yeah. It's like, wait, wow. what's in that Kool-Aid? Right. Yeah. Yeah. That's a thing, right? Like the Kool-Aid has now become a bit of a joke. And the funniest thing about it is he didn't even re use real Kool-Aid. He used discount Kool-Aid. So. <laughs> <laughs> cool ode i don't know what the fuck it was called like what right 
Like that, can't afford so, real Kool-Aid. So was it like, now, obviously it didn't gain, you know, mass, you know, attention until obviously until they all killed themselves. Was he in the news before that or was it just up <clears> at that <throat> point and forward? Well, I think um, just on my knowledge of, of him, Jim Jones in general, he, um, I think it was more regional to where he was, like in San Fran, that mm. the things that were happening, of course, there was a lot of weird shit going on in the 70s in San Fran, right? So being right. in Canada, we only kind of, we didn't get what was he was going on. So if you had somebody from who's, you know, kind of my age from San Francisco, they may have known of him because, you know, his notoriety about some of the things he was doing, right? Just like right. anybody that's into like that whole religious side, which I'm not really into it. Right. So, but I mean, he was, he was, he, he had like, um, you know, government officials that were, you know, supporting him. Right. right. So he had g gained respect from, from people. So, you know, he, he was, you know, kind of, I mean, you can't compare him to someone like say Billy Graham that was like all over the world, but I'm sure regionally he was a pretty big name, but in Canada, we didn't know what was happening until it was like the Kool-Aid session. Right. So do you think that it's the, that whole flower power, you know, era, era that kind of gathered him enough followers to be able to you know, take that many people and then, you know, proceed to get them to kill themselves? Is it because people at that time were looking, you know, for that camaraderie, that family type of atmosphere? Yeah, I would, I would hundred percent think that's a lot, big part of it. But I think, you know, what cult leaders in general do is they prey on the lost, right? And so where do you find that? I mean, <clears throat> we can debate whether or not he intentionally targeted them because he knew he could, he could, go in a certain direction, but he also came from those roots, right? Like he, he didn't live, like he wasn't a super wealthy dude. He, he was actually living in the communities of, you know, the downtrodden and, and a very, um, uh, into the hard hit black community. So he was living amongst them when he was kind of right. growing up. Right. So, you know, but, but that's, that's kind of who he preyed upon. And, and if you watch some of his, his, uh, things, you know, and you know, this guy's such a dick, right? Like he was, the right. things he was doing was so terrible, terribly heinous as a leader. Like I am your God. I am your leader. I am your this. And in the meantime, he's fucking guys in the ass. Like, and you're just like, what? Like, at, you know, there's a, do a documentary I saw not, not that long ago. And, and the guy's like, yeah, we were all talking amongst ourselves. And it was like, who hasn't been fucked in the ass by Jim Jones? And it was like, almost everybody had their, you know, I was like, what? So like, he, he had no, right, there was no barrier not. to him, right? Like he, he was doing everything to everybody. But at the same time, he was preaching a message, which is so good. Everybody's equal. He was fucking everybody's ass. It didn't matter what, you know, race, creed, or whatever. It was like, he's like, I, you know, I, every ass is good to me. And, you know, people, people as a community, I mean, who wouldn't want to live in a community where everything was taken care of for you? Everybody, like you were a family right. that supported each other and all your money, like, you know, that whole communal living that, you know, people get into that. It's, uh, it's, it could take anybody under their wing and it's, you know, it's a lot of smart people were involved with that organization. Right. Right. And that's, you know, one of those things that 
he inserted, you know, that dominance, so to speak, you know, it's that charisma, you know, he was able to make people feel comfortable enough that, Hey, you know what? I am God, you know, that's that bigger than life attitude that cult leaders take on, you know, that, that people, you know, who can get garner a mass following, you know, is like they're, you know, the charismatic, they, they have a way to talking with people, you know, they, and then once they got you, once they got their claws in you, man, they don't let go, you know, and that's, you know, one of the things with Jonestown, you know, when they first started the communal living, <clears throat> he wasn't charging anybody. Nobody was having to pay anything. And then all of a sudden now it's like, no, you got to give 20%. Now you got to give 50. No, nah, fuck yeah. that. Give me all of Every, me everything. Yeah. Yeah. Need. Yeah. Right. <clears throat> Not only are you giving me all your possessions, you're giving me your ass too, you know? Yeah. And so, so yeah. it's one of those things that, you know, I've always been fascinated on, you know, how does one not not that i want to learn how to do it but just how does somebody go <laughs> to, the, to the point where you know it's like dude you have you know he had 900 plus people follow him to some jungle in the middle of some country way far yeah, away yeah. from where everyone's from yeah completely cut everybody off and then got them to like you said drink the kool-aid you know yeah. and it's like how it's like heaven's gate you know when yeah you know in the 90s i remember when that happened and you know Haley's comet and all that was flying by and you know how does one get so many educated you know group of people and and i think part of that is you know it's the same thing with like social media you know and stuff like that once one person follows then you get two more that follow and then you get five more and then you know so on and so forth and it's like a domino effect and so you know, Jim Jones, you know, from, you know, a young child, you know, till he was an adult, you know, his mom was telling him, hey, you are God, you are greater than life, you will be somebody someday. And she yeah. was right. And whether it was positive or negative, you know, he took that and ran. And, you know, it's one of those things where he just, you know, I think he lost, I think he had good intentions at the beginning, because, yeah. you know, he wanted to be inclusive he wanted you know the african-american race to be involved he wanted women children you know everybody to be one and yeah i think he just lost sight you know the power <clears throat> the money you know it all went to his head you know and that's i just have you know that's just i don't know how somebody could turn to that level you know what i mean and now for a quick break hey hey are you that weird one in your friends group that loves to watch true crime documentaries? Have you ever wanted to learn more about the lesser known crimes? And are you fascinated with ghost stories? I'm Hannah, the creator, editor, and host of Murder Bucket, a podcast that talks about, get this, murders, paranormal activity, abductions, kidnappings, and weird stuff. Join me every Tuesday, wherever you listen to podcasts, to get the inside scoop on some of the most interesting topics in the true crime world. I am also very active on social media. You can find me on Instagram at MurdBucket, Facebook at BucketMurd, and Twitter at The Murder Bucket. Now, back to the show. 
Yeah. Well, and, and you, I think you kind of said it too, even in, <clears throat> in the episode that you laid down, which is, you know, there's a part where he actually died, pretended to die himself and brought himself back to life. Like, right. I'm just like, I'm just like, but people, you know, people searching, like I, I've never, I, I've always been, maybe this sounds really arrogant and I feel terrible that I'm saying this maybe, but like, I've always been a leader of a person. Right. Uh, like I'm not one of those people that easily follow, but you know, the, I, 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 ha I have this innate ability with my friends to convince them to do all kinds of things they don't want to do. So, but, <laughs> but, but they know, but the, you know, here's the difference. And maybe this was part of what the cult was happening was that if I'm willing to do this, I mean, it's going to be okay that you're doing it too. Right. So, you know, like right. if he was, if he was kind of, if it started out and people, he got his claws in because he was like, you know, this is what I do. You see me, I'm, I'm loving, you know, every, every person in this community, I've given everything I have for this community. And then, you know, you're willing to do these where a word, it's like you're stepping along together side by side. And then he just slowly starts to move right. in front and then people start to, and as more people come on to the love train, you know, he's, <clears throat> he's leading this, this group of people and he becomes bigger than himself because he keeps making it that way. And, and, you know, he studied with televangelists, right? Like he studied right. with them to learn these, these techniques. So it's kind of, right. it's funny, right? Is what, like the big question I have on the whole thing is, was he truly innately evil, which he, I kind of get the hint he was based on some of the things you had brought out about right. him saying like, you know, he did these things to animals and, you know, like is it the, the typical serial killer type thing. Uh, but then at the same time, there's so many other people, like if he, if Jonestown never happened and it stayed in its beauty, beautiful state, would it be a thriving city right now in the community that, right? right? Right. And, you know, and that's one of the things too, is, you know, he, he would, as a kid, he would preach to animals. He would preach to the neighborhood kids, you know, perfecting his technique, you know, and then. But he was also focusing on, you know, the sickly animals and then he would kill them and it would make him feel bad. But yet at the same time, he's still killing them. Right. So it's like, yeah, well, how does that work out? You know, and then there's, you know, you, you got eyewitness testimony where he's, you know, putting on these big extravagant, extravagant shows where he's using chicken to pretend like he's pulling, you know, tumors out of people. And mm. it's like, oh, we know he's lying but it's okay. It's for the greater good. And it's like, yeah. how is that for the greater good? You, you're purposely deceiving somebody for what, for his gain. It's not for your gain. You're not getting the money from it. He is, you know, but you know, that's, that's the thing. If he was living among them, right? Like the, I don't know. I don't know if in your research you noticed it, but was he living like, he's not like those other, you know, televangelists that live in a castle and people don't get to see them. Like I had, I got the feeling when you watched it, if you see some of the video footage of him, even from Jonestown, like he was walking amongst them. Right. Do you know what and I mean? That, yeah. And he absolutely was. It's not, he wasn't on, you know, that, that I hate to say it, but you know, that Billy Graham level where he's living, you know, up on the mountaintop and everybody else is living, you know, in poverty. He definitely yeah. absolutely was, you know, but at, at the same time though, he was, you know, he wasn't necessarily using the money for, you know, just the people, you know, he had a drug habit. He had, you know, you know, I'm sure he was an alcoholic. 
Oh yeah. You know, he, he was probably paying prostitutes, you know, so it's kind I of don't those, know if he needed to pay. Well, that's true. You know what? You're right. You're absolutely right. He didn't <laughs> just he, walk, he walk through the crowd and go, <laughs> it's your turn. You, you it's yeah. you, it's your yeah. ass today. Yeah. Uh, you know, so I don't know. He's just a, you know, w- watching him, you know, through the video footage and, and stuff like that. He's very charismatic. I could see how, you know, the appeal, the draw, you know, where people are like, you know, especially during a time where everyone's like, let's love everybody, you know, and it's everybody's always looking for somebody to follow, you know, unless you are naturally born as, you know, somebody who can lead people. You yeah. know, it's it's one of those things. And so I don't know. And then, you know, Jonestown, you know, they ended up, you know, he I think some of the, you know, part of his paranoia was definitely the drugs for sure. I mean, yeah, you stay strung out long enough, you start having crazy thoughts, you know, where oh my God, they're after me, you know, and every, which they might not be, you know, but you believe they are. So now all of a sudden yeah. you literally pick up 900 people and move them, you know, to, to the, to the middle of the, you know, the jungle and, yeah, you know, try to live off the, you know, the grid that way, you know, but it's one of those things that he just, I don't know, man, he was, he's a fascinating character for sure. And, you know, did he set out to, you know, hurt these people or was he genuinely trying to help them? You know, and that's a question that nobody will ever be able to answer because it's always going to go to the fact that, you know, he had 900 people drink Kool-Aid, you know what I mean? Yeah. So, well, and some of them didn't drink it too, right? Like they were forced to drink it, right? There's, they have, you know, some of the footage where they're forced. And the other thing that's a mystery with this, and I don't know if you've already solved this, but I haven't figured it out. Nobody really knows whether or not he killed himself or someone else killed him. From what I've gathered, he shot himself. That's just it. He wasn't even man enough to drink his own Kool-Aid. He shot himself. Yeah, like you, you know, and so it's like you're you're that much of a pussy. You're 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 making these people you have to drink it. This is God's will. God's telling you to do it, but you can't even drink it yourself. You're going to shoot yourself in the head. Like, you know, and of course he waited until the very end because if he would have done it first and everybody would have been like, well, wait a second, this is dumb. And then, you know, dumped the Kool-Aid out and walked away. You know what I mean? But yeah, so he's, you know, he just, he didn't really, you know, practice what he preached. You know, he just wanted everybody to follow. And then, you know, that was it. That might've been like his high, right? Like if you talked about, if you like, cause he used to do these practice sessions, right? Like right. he would, he would, he would literally, what were they called? Like white parties or something, a white, a white nights or something. Something like I can't that, remember right? what it was. Yeah. And that they would say, okay, we're going to practice drinking. It's like at some points you would kind of think like, obviously you're so brainwashed at that point where you're thinking, okay, we're going to practice drinking fucking tainted Kool-Aid. Sorry, owed. <laughs> like it's, <clears throat> yeah, it's like it's like here. It's like I'm. Let's just pr- let's practice killing ourselves tonight. I'm like, how many times did that happen? Where someone was like, okay, you know what, you know all of this other stuff, I'm okay with. Like I'm okay. Like there's people that even they're survivors of this cult, and you see them interviewed, and they're like, this was the best thing that I've ever been a part of, right? Even though every, you know, every 17th of March I had to bend over, but it's like, I still got all my medical (laughs) bills paid for. I still got all the food. I had all the nutrition and, and, but then on the flip side of that, 
you know, if you had other interviews with some survivors who were actually at Jonestown that survived, and they said there was malnutrition happening with some of the kids down in, was it Ecuador, wasn't it? No, Ghana, in Ghana, right? Uh, uh, <coughs> Jones- Guyana, yeah. Guy- so, yeah, yeah. It's, it's one of those things that, you know, uh, it's kind of like an abusive partner, right? It's it, they they start off gaslighting people, right? And just like J- Jim Jones did, you know, oh, it's going to be great, all this, blah, blah, blah. But then, you know, they slowly, you know, turn the tide. But, you know, they it's it's the same thing. They gaslit them to the point to where now, even after the fact, they're still like, oh, this is the best thing that's ever happened to me. Yeah. You know? And that that's that's just sad. I mean, even after watching your, you know, people that you so to speak, went to bat with, you know, to where you're like a whole family, you're all standing next to each other and you're watching them just drop. And yet you're still committed to the fact that, you know what, this is the best thing that's ever happened in my life. And that's crazy to me. I don't know. I could feel that way afterwards. Mm, Yeah, I know. There would be a lot of, I don't know how the interview would look if it was me. (laughs) (laughs) Although, you know, I think to myself, like I've got a tick box of of things. If I'm going to join a cult, they have to, you know, be a part of it. Right. So, you know, I'd be game for that here. Here's all my money, but I'd need to know that I was taken care of for the rest of my life. I mean, he was taking care of old people as I got old, right. Like he was even taking people out of like taking all their money granted, but taking the old people out of, uh, old folks homes. And then they, you know, this is something they've proven over time with culture that, if you have the elderly as part of your community, there's so much growth that everybody happens, right? Like in certain countries, they'll have like apartment buildings where they're all intermixed, where different people in ages and everybody takes care of themselves. It's not really a cult, but you know, those are the things that you think of. Yeah, man, he was, if he was paying my medical bills and I know in some, some cities in the U S it's, it can be pretty expensive for medical bills. Right. So I mean, he's paying for that. And if you had diabetes or whatever, he's like, Hey man, I need insulin and it's costing me X amount of dollars. And all I got to do is show up to work every day and I get all the food I want. I get the medication that I want. I'm getting taken care of. I have all these people that all believe and support me. Like it's a, it's a pretty big thing. So, I mean, yeah, I mean, so a, if he had all those things and then of course, like if they had the, like they didn't talk much about this because it seemed like it was mostly him. But, you know, if I'm going to join a cult, it's got to be one of those sex orgy cults, right? Like it's like a ge- <laughs> German sex party or whatever, right? Like it's, right, it's, right. It's it like, has okay, to be. It's, right. I mean, why else? I mean, that's like just a box that you have to tick. It's like, okay, so okay, tell me about your cult. Yeah, so I don't get to have sex with anybody, but someone has sex with me. But you. And then, okay, what? Can, can, can you recreate this cult a little better that works for all of us in the same way? Right. And it's like, Oh my God. Right. I mean, definitely. If I'm going to join a cult, it has to be a sex cult, right? It can't just be like a normal run of the mills cult. Right. Yeah. Right. Like I'm not selling pencils on the street. Oh, unless that pencil, if I'm like the top pencil seller of the week, then I get to have partake in the orgy that happens on the weekend. Right. You get the Bukaki party, right? That's right. Or, you know, it doesn't have, I could be the partaker or the partaki. I don't, you know, whatever it's, it's, you know, if I've sold the most pencils, I want the most reward. That's, you know, that's the American way. Right, of course. Do you absolutely, absolutely. So, so, so yeah. I mean, what, what did you, what happened? What was the narrative on the news like after the congressman was killed? Like, what do you remember seeing 
you know, like what was the news like after that? Everything happened so fast, right? Like it, everything, and keep in mind, I would have been real, pretty young when it happened, but <clears throat> everything happened so fast. Like it wasn't like, um, like other crimes, like, you know, where someone goes missing and then something like the, the, the congressman getting killed. And it was like that, that night, everything happened. Right. right. So the news was right. out that this is, this was, this was unfolding, but then it was the aftermath that really and you couldn't escape it, right? Like it was like every night you turn on the news and it was just like they just keep showing more bodies. And it was just like that sea of bodies everywhere. And you're just like, what is like this is like to this date, there's been nothing like this. I mean, other than, you know, like I, we've like I mentioned, you can talk about actual war settings where this happens, but never has right. there been a cult. I mean, Waco, when we think remember when Waco happened, right? And now for a quick break. Welcome to Scotch and Sports. We're your weekly sports podcast. You got hosts Mike, Gertie, Suds, and we're bringing you all the best in the world of sports. I'm drunk. We're going to bring you the NFL, the NHL, the NBA. And sometimes we can ask questions on Twitter. We'll even bring you some rugby and some cricket, even though we have no idea what the hell we're talking about. Still drunk. So tune in weekly. We're on Apple, Google, Spotify, Podbean. If your ears can hear it, we'll be there. I wanted to take a quick break in this aftermath episode and bring something that I want to bring awareness to each and every episode that I put out. So this story comes from Haley. She's the host of Podcast 27. If you haven't listened to her podcast, you should definitely go and check it out. But please, please listen. And if it affects you, just know that you're not alone. If you want to hear other stories or if you have a story that you'd like to come on and share with me or want me to read out loud for you, please send me an email, juryroompodcast at gmail.com. No means no. Consent is crucial. And for the love of God, leave people the fuck alone. Thank you. One of the things that, you know, I see within, you know, the podcast community or just social media in general is, you know, women talking about being afraid to go out in public, you know, being mm -hmm. able to go to the grocery store, you know, but they have to prepare themselves to go. It's, it's almost like it's a, a battle within themselves like is it worth going is it mm -hmm. not worth going is this something that you've experienced oh yeah since i was a little girl like i can remember memories from when i was probably like eight years old from things that my mom had told me and um it just never goes away things that happen to you when you're younger or when you're older it doesn't really matter whatever i say it doesn't matter what age it happens it sucks when it happens younger because then 
you just grow up and you're like, well, I can't trust anyone. I don't want to go out and do anything. Um, yeah, it's, it's always been there. It's always been in the back of my mind for as long as I can remember. And I just don't think it will really ever go away. So what kind of like experiences have you had? Like from, is it mainly from men? Have you gotten it from women? I mean, is it, you know, is it gender specific? How does that work? Cause uh, unfortunately with me being a male, I don't have that fear. I don't, you know what I mean? Mm-hmm. I've, I haven't grown up with that fear and, and I'm not taking away from your experiences or the, you know, that feeling of fear that you have. I'm yeah. sorry. You know, like that is a, a terrible way to live to know that you potentially could be assaulted because you told you tell somebody no, or you're yeah. just being there in something that you felt, you know, attractive and wearing, whether it be scantily clad or not, you know, there people for some reason can't take no or think that you're just there for them to touch. So, right. you know, is that yeah. something you've experienced male and female or is it, you know, how does that work? It's an, I've experienced male and female, um, mostly male for sure. But, um, I don't think that sometimes I think that women think that they can also like touch other women or say certain things and it'd be okay because they're both women when, um, that's just not okay. Like when I worked at Hooters, like women would like slap my ass or something. Oh, am I? I'm so sorry. No, you're good. I've already said fucked up like three times. You're good. Okay. (laughs) Um, like if I'm, if I was walking by a table or whatever, or working at the club, like women like to try to like kiss you and stuff and like they get drunk and they want to like be super touchy. And it's, for me, it's really hard to tell another woman no, because you would just think that they would, it's a weird barrier. You would think that they would know, Hey, we all go through this. I'm not going to be weird and I'm not going to like touch you. But then also I think when some women start drinking, they're like, Oh, we're all friends. Like women have that kind of bathroom mentality of like drunk girls in the bathroom. Everyone's friends. They're all complimenting each other. Um, and so that's happened a couple of times, but men are the main, the main people. Um, it's just so sad. I, I have more, I had a lot of more issues working at Hooters in the serving industry than I did at or dancing at clubs as far as people being like super aggressive. But at the club, people are more irritating as far as like trying to get you to go home with them or trying to set you up in bad situations or like meet me after work at this place or whatever. And I'm like, it's 4am. I'm going home. Like I know that you have no good intentions for me after we leave this place. Um, and just like, People in general, like walking, I maybe I'm desensitized to it too because I've worked there for four years going on more than that. Um, but just, you know, people walking by and they see you and your like work clothes there and they'll just like come up and slap you or grab you anywhere that they feel that they can. And um, it's just really uncomfortable. I think eventually I hit a wall where I was like numb to it. And so when I'm out in public, if something happens like that, it's not as surprising to me. And I don't, I probably don't react the way somebody else would. I'm like, Oh, I'm like really used to it. So 
it's nothing for me to like make a report about or whatever, because at the end of the day, like reports aren't taken seriously. I have no, nothing to build a case on at the end of the day. So. Right. At what point do you think you hit that wall? Was it your, was it something within, you know, dancing at the clubs or was it something outside of the club that you were just kind of finally like, you know what, this is just the way that it is. I don't know. I think I've been sexually assaulted twice, once at an old club and once um, in my friend's car. We're not friends anymore, but it was just like a, it was one of those things where we, we had both worked at the same club. We got off to go get like Waffle House or something. And in Atlanta, everyone like at nighttime, it's like kind of like a party scene. It was like 3 a.m. Everyone is just kind of walking on the streets, going home on a Saturday night. Um, I guess she made friends with someone on the side of the road and it was these two guys, they got in the car and I was sitting in the back cause her friend was sitting up front and it was like during pride weekend. So everyone was super hype. I'm part of, um, I'm bisexual. So I'm part of the LGBTQ community. And so she, and so we picked up men that told us that they were gay and, in a way, when women hear that, at least for me and some of my friends, it it's kind of like, oh, they're not going to hurt us, you know, because they also understand they get a lot of backlash and assault and abuse and stuff. We're all in this together. Um, and one of them, like, we were just driving and he just stuck his hand up my dress and didn't care, like, didn't ask or anything. And I think it was at that point I had, like, a a frozen response. I didn't even know what to do. And after that, I was like, nothing that happens to me mildly like this, I guess can really bother me. I, cause it was, it hurt me for so long, even like a year or two afterwards, I didn't want to tell anyone or say anything. And, um, I just, that was probably the point for me where I was like, men truly don't care. Not, obviously not all men but like men like that they just don't care and they're going to do it regardless of like where you are what you're wearing and I wasn't even wearing a short dress it was like a long dress and I don't know everything happened so fast I was frozen I was like God, this sucks I don't even know how to defend myself so that was probably the, the breaking point now back to the show like Waco was, that was I mean, a similar type of thing right it was like you couldn't escape it Right. And that's, you know, that's where it's, you know, was there like a lot of public service announcements after that? Or did they like try to advise people not to join a cult or was it just they were strictly talking about Jonestown and what they were finding out as what was going on? I, I don't remember actually having any public service announcements, but I think I think the fact that you couldn't escape it, that that it was making people aware of it. Do you know what I mean? It's like you sometimes mm -hmm. don't have to have a, like, I think public service announcements are something that happens now kind of because of the McDonald's coffee spill lawsuit. That's like, okay, <clears throat> apparently people can't figure out right. that joining a cult could end up in a cool, a cool old session. So, <laughs> you know, we don't need to, like it was, maybe people were smarter in the seventies. I don't know. Although I guess there was more cults after that, but you know what I mean? Like it was just, they, they kind of figured that if they say, okay, here's a cult and the, here's the downside of cults is that you could end up dying from a cool old overdose. Like it's, it's like people would go, Oh my God. What's, like what's if people's senses became aware, right. 
because you couldn't hide it. Right. But it was like also join a sex positive cult too, though. Well, exactly. And you know what? That's, you know, I still haven't found it. I've been looking. You know, that's, you know what, Kev? Maybe this is, this is our goal. We got to start one. Is that, and and just is make that sure goal? that could be our that it's one of sex my positive. goals. Right. Sex positive, yeah. <laughs> I love it. I Everyone's love it. welcome. So, everyone, c- come one, come all. See what I did there? Yeah, and everybody would. <laughs> we meet on the border, Canada U.S. border. Oh my god, I love it. Where's the Where's right. the freakiest border in Canada U.S.? Like this one, you you got to plant it there. Like, well, right on the Vancouver is pretty crazy. Yeah, it's pretty, it's pretty. Ve- I mean, and obviously Seattle too, right? right it's, right. it's, they're both kind of very West Coast vibe, very, you know, left, left leaning, which, you know, you don't see very many. I mean, I guess that's what churches are, are kind of like a, a right wing cult is a church. And the left wing, <laughs> maybe the left wing son of cult is the sex cult. So, yeah, I think so you may be right. Vancouver, I'm, I'm Seattle. It. It's done. All right. We'll have some Starbucks. And uh, how could you not have some Starbucks? I know. <laughs> <laughs> well, Jim, I want to thank you so much for coming on today. I've had a wonderful time talking to you about Jonestown. Is there anything else you want to share? Anything, you know, any exciting content coming up that you guys want to talk about or, you know, plug your show again? Anything you want to talk about? Here's your floor. Uh, man, I, you know what, this could be another hour we chat, but you know, one of the things I guess that just, I I just want people to go out in the world and create a space where everybody feels welcome. Everybody is supported and that, you know, as much as, you know, the world around us, there seems to be so much, um, division that's happening. Right. And, you know, if you really put yourself in the shoes of other people to to sort of that expression, walk a mile in their shoes. um, I think when people get to know people as people and not as objects or things, this is so much of a better place that we live in. Right. And I think as a positive message for even cults, if you're going to join a cult, make sure it ticks all the right boxes, not the wrong boxes. Um, But, you know, a plug for us. I I hope um, everybody that listens to the jury room, which is, you know, as as Kevin knows, it's it's one of my favorite podcasts. I can't wait every time it comes up. But I hope everybody gets a chance to listen to ours because, you know, as much as I listen to a lot of movie review podcasts, I don't know very many that are trying to bring as much new content to people. So I hope people um, check us out. Even if you disagree with us, that's great. We love we love it when people disagree with us uh, and just in, enjoy what you enjoy and share it with the people that you like to share it with. So filmrageyyc.com uh, is our website. And uh, Film Rage YYC on all social media platforms. And uh, message us, talk to us, talk to us about film. We love it. Well, again, Jim, I appreciate you coming on. One last thing before I let you go for today. I have a few interviews that I've done throughout the course of my episodes. And I have one question that I generally ask every person that comes on. Are you willing to answer it? Yeah, what is it? Give it to me. All right. If you could be any sandwich condiment, what would you be and why? 
Sandwich condiment. That's a tough one because I put different sandwich condiments on different things depending on what they are. So that what's one thing you couldn't live without? Fuck me. Um, I gotta say, I gotta say onions. Onions. Does that count as a condiment? Sure. I just, I just think they're the best. It could be fried or raw. It doesn't matter. Like if it's on, or is it because you like like making people cry? Well, I'd like that too, but that's when I get to <laughs> cut the onion. Ah, I see what you did there. Slowly. But yeah, no, it would it would be onions, man. I I cannot eat anything. <laughs> like if if I'm gonna eat a burger, it's gotta have onions. It could have nothing else on it, but it's gotta have onions. And if it's a hot dog, like I, I of course I throw ketchup mustard. And relish, I like relish too, but uh, it's got to have onions, man. It's just like it just, uh, you're going to give me a hot dog with just ketchup and mustard? Dude, don't, <laughs> do not show up at my sex party with that. That's not, that, that wiener is not going to cut it. It's not going to cut it. That is not enough wiener for me. I need the onions. I need the onions. <laughs> give me a bun full onions. of onions. I'm good. Yeah. So has anyone ever responded with onions? Is that, is that, no, is that a popular that is, condiment? That is not. I've gotten, let's see, let me think back. I've got mayonnaise. I've gotten spicy mustard. I've gotten, I think, sriracha. I think that's it. So no one said you're ketchup the, yet. No one has said ketchup. You're the first, you're the first onion. I've asked other podcasts that have like done Q and A's and yep. they've said ketchup, but never on my show has anybody said ketchup yet. Oh, I hope I'm the only one that ever says onions. If but if you meet the other onion person, tell them they, them, them, right. sex, yes, right. them they can join right. our sex. Yes, tell them they can join our sex cult easily. Right, right. I'm gonna say Jim's gonna fuck you in the ass every chance he gets oh, with yeah. his onions. With with, with my onions, onions. Right. it's a nat- they're naturally oily, so there's a natural lube there. <laughs> but sweet onions, you don't want to have like that spicy, you know, right, hot right. Onion. The burn, right? You don't want the burn, right? Just, just the the lube. That's it. Except on Thursdays. Thursdays oh, oh, is okay. Thursday. For the oh, okay. Cool. Yeah. Awesome. Well, again, Jim, thanks for coming on. This has been a blast. Uh, thanks, and again, buddy. you can find Film Rage anywhere on any podcasting platform. They have their own website. They're super active on Twitter. I'm only active on Twitter, so I have no idea wherever else they post. But I know that they're super active on Twitter. And uh, it's definitely awesome to, you know, have somebody who grew up in the 70s who, you know, experienced Jim Jones and Jonestown on the news, you know, themselves. So, again, a huge thanks to Jim for coming on. And, again, you can find The Jury Room anywhere and everywhere. If you like this content, reach out to me at juryroompodcast at gmail.com. You can find me pretty much anywhere, Jury Room, at Jury Room Podcast. And, again, thanks for joining me on The Aftermath. Thanks for listening, and remember, you never know what's lurking in the shadows, lingering around the corner, walking past your house at night, so watch out, stay safe, and keep listening. This has been The Jury Room. Hey everybody, it's Eric Carter-Landine, the host and producer of True Consequences Podcast, and I'm asking for your help. Starting April 1st, I started the 10 Days of Jacob campaign. You may be familiar with Jacob's case if you've listened to it on this podcast. 
Jacob was murdered nearly 34 years ago on April 10th, 1987, and he has not had justice. The person responsible for his death was never charged. So I'm asking for your help. I need your help signing the petition that's linked in the show notes below, but also emailing or calling the district attorney of Socorro County in New Mexico. His name is Clint Wilburn, and you can reach him at 1-575-835-0052, or you can email him at cwellborn at da.state.nm.us. Let him know that you would like to see Jacob's case reopened and his killer brought to justice. A template letter is also available on the True Consequences Facebook page and Twitter. You can find me at facebook.com slash truconsequencespod or on Twitter at trueconspod. Thank you so much and I hope that you are inspired to sign the petition, to share, and to reach out to the district attorney and ask him to reopen Jacob's case. All of this is going to help put the pressure on the DA that is needed to get him to act. So once again, I am so grateful for you. Thank you for listening to Jacob's story and thank you for fighting for justice. Until next time, stay safe. Why don't we start with you telling me about Jacob? What you remember about him? I just remember he was funny and he liked to laugh and he liked to pull drawers and make all the silverware fly out. (laughs) (laughs) And he was just a silly boy. He was really smart, like for being a baby. He was so smart. It was like ridiculous. There was a little old lady that lived in the apartment village. I don't know if you remember, but we would take a walk every day and uh, we would pray, you know, for God to help us, to feed us. And we'd take a, a walk around the apartment complex. By the time we got back, there was a food on the doorstep every time. She would bless us. God would bless her. He used her to bless us. Yeah. We got everything. Everything you wanted was in the bag. <laughs> Stupid Chef Boyardee. All the way down to the beef aromies. <laughs> Kool-Aid. Everything we needed was in that bag. And God put her there. She was our angel. She really helped us a lot. I don't know if she heard our prayer or... I, I don't know. She just came out of nowhere. But I know it was that one lady that put food on our door. He weaseled his way into my life basically because he was a con. He'd tell me lies about, well, they weren't lies, but he would tell me, you know, stuff to make me question your dad. You know, like he's calling so-and-so behind your back and this and that. And I look at the phone bill and sure enough, you know, it's on there, but I didn't know he was using it to try to get me away from him. He was a pro at making himself look good and Mm -hmm. making people feel comfortable around him. Shortly after things started happening to Jacob? It was like stuff, weird stuff would happen. Like there was sunflower seed shells in his bed, in his crib, you know. um, He was getting hurt all of a sudden for unexplainable reasons. That wasn't it. He was terrified. He was scared. He was holding on. 
he wouldn't want to let me go. And I didn't understand why at all. It was just a nightmare, you know. Yeah. And I didn't know what was happening. Uh, I had a job at Supermart, and you were gone. And everything, you know, he had an operation on his head before you left, and mm -hmm. I wanted to make sure you weren't blamed, no matter what happened. And so I was at work, and my mom called me about an hour before I was going to get out. And she said, I want to go to church. What do I do with the baby? Where do I take him? And I didn't know what to do. There's no cell phones, there's no whatever. All my family worked. And I, I said, I guess take him to my boyfriend. He was, then he was my boyfriend. Take him to him. I said, it's only an hour before I get out. What can happen in an hour? My exact words. I have forever regret those words. And that during that hour, I have felt so uneasy. I never told this to anybody. And I was begging, begging my manager, please, please let me go home. It's not busy. You don't need me here. He just laugh at me and say, no, go do this, go do that. And so I just made myself pray and say, you have to stay. And I just made myself work, and it got a little bit busy. So I was checking out a customer. I heard the ambulance pass by. At that moment, he ran in the store. He said, Jacob's in the ambulance. I don't know what happened. I said, well, what do you mean, Jacob's in the ambulance? And he just, he said, we got to go, we got to go. And I just ran out the store. I left the customer there. I don't know what happened. I just left. If you see the signs, if your baby's scared, if they're holding on to you, they don't want to let go, something's wrong. Pay attention to those signs. Don't leave your babies with your boyfriends. They might be good con artists and, oh, I'll watch them, I'll watch them. Don't do it. Go with your gut, you know. I felt it, and I couldn't do nothing about it because I was stuck at work. But I knew something was wrong. And look what happened. And I didn't pay attention to the signs because I didn't believe it. Because I've known him. I went to church with him. I went to school with him. I thought I knew this person, and I didn't at all.